0: ladies and gents welcome welcome it's friday it's half past seven it's another edition of aid thompson and other disappointments what's going on uh brought to you in association with globalbutterflies.com uh do go and check it out if you run a business if you're looking to make your business more trans aware or more aware of the non-binary community if you want your business to be more progressive and to benefit from being so, because there are commercial benefits from being so. Go and check out uh, globalbutterflies.com. Right, what's up? Let's get into this, shall we? How you doing? Um, Welcome, pull up a pew, grab yourself a beer, pop open the champagne on this most uh, celebratory of Fridays, (laughs) isn't it? Uh, It's not often that we feel upbeat and optimistic. On this podcast, is it? You know, uh, it's not often that we allow the crushing reality that we're all staring down the barrel of to just just pause for a moment. You know, just pause for a breath. Or a sigh. uh, While we take a moment to experience what once could have been described as hope. Dear listeners, that's where we're at today, isn't it? Following last night's news. Uh, today is absolutely one of those days. It's a things can only get better day. It's Friday the 16th of February. The results are in from the by-elections last night. Uh, they came in, unfortunately, too late for the newspapers this morning. Or fortunately, depending on you know whether you're a Tory or a Labour, whether you are a right-wing newspaper editor or leader of the Labour Party. Could have done with that press, I'm sure. I mean, by the time that you guys hear this, right, it will sort of be old news. Won't it at half seven on a Friday night? Um, Because, you know, I'm I'm recording this on my lunch break ahead of time. Um, Ordinarily, we do a live show, don't we? Friday night, half past seven every week, crack open a beer together and try to make sense of the senseless. But this week, tonight... I am out, guys. Very rare for me to actually get out the house with childcare sorted. we got tickets to go and see something. Um, we're off to see Janie Godley's comedy show. Uh, it's called Not Dead Yet. Um, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you will enjoy this show as much as I will be uh, enjoying that one. Uh, but at the time of recording, anyway, at the time of recording, guys... Uh, It's still very much the big story of the day, isn't it? Is that the Tories have been wiped out in two safe seats or formerly safe seats. That's in one night. (laughs) Double by-election. 28% swing in one of them, which is just... Um, And obviously this is being uh, reported today, as you would expect, with all the honesty and integrity... (laughs) The, the one I expect from Team Sunak and his salivating, self-flagellating, subservient cheerleaders in the right wing press. I mean, it's really been quite the sight to behold this morning. Seeing little clips surface on Twitter, scanning through the newspapers. It's Really been quite interesting to observe. If you are a news junkie, as I am, um, you know. It's been a, it's been a sight to, be, to behold if if you've managed to resist the temptation, you know, in light of the horrors of modern Britain to gouge out your own eyeballs because you're so sick of everything. <laughs> but like, but the media rounds this morning. Oh, my God, Christ, the reactions to these by-elections. Um like, did, um, did, did any of you guys in, in, I was about to say in the live chat, but like, you know, if, if there's a live messaging thing or you want to drop a comment or whatever, get involved. But did any of you guys see the Rishi in, in interview this morning, like in light of these by-election results, his reaction to how they've gone? <laughs> the Conservative Party, like he's in front of these police cars, right? He's out in what looks like a police station car park. Like, I don't know if they finally caught up with him about the Partygate stuff, because everyone forgets that he was also implicated in Partygate. He also got a fixed penalty notice. Somehow he sort of skated by that. But he is still absolutely a law-breaking prime minister. Anyway, in this interview this morning, he stood out there in a police station car park. And the journalist says to him, uh, he says, oh, well, it's it's been a bit of a bad night for your lot, hasn't it? (laughs) You know, fairly standard questioning, I think, after you've been mauled at the ballot box. And Rishi Sunak, bless him, is just, (laughs) he's like, uh, actually, no, 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 it's um, it's not, not, I, I know you might think that, you know. I know you might think that, but appearances can be deceptive, my good fellow. I mean, look at me, right? I I appeared to be all about transparency and integrity. And yet there I was at the inquiry a couple of weeks ago claiming I didn't recall anything. <laughs> and here I am now. I'm about to tell you that two safe seat losses isn't somehow a total disaster for the Conservative Party and indeed for my leadership. So... I don't know, man. Like, he's absolutely deluded, isn't he? He's absolutely on a different planet. If he, Do you think he actually believes what he's saying? Or does he just hold us in absolute contempt that he expects that we're going to believe this? <laughs> Which one is it, Rishi? Like, seriously. Like, I used to think he was, um, you know, just a bit detached. A bit... um a bit enslaven to the same political machinations as every other Tory leader becomes enslaven to. Like, it, they all start off with good intentions, I think. And then once they get in the big chair in number 10, I think they are just as restricted <laughs> and ordered and pushed and pressured to behave in the same... That's why they all end up in the same problems, right? But do you remember Theresa May? When Theresa May first stood outside the steps, like number 10... And she was all about, you know, um, they're just about managing's, and, you know, speaking up for those who don't have a voice. That first maiden speech outside number 10 after she became prime minister was just like a different person to who she actually ended up becoming. And even after she became prime minister, once she'd left office, now she speaks up about foreign aid. And, you know, she celebrates the downfall of worse prime ministers like Boris Johnson. Like, I think she's probably quite this is weird to say this, considering when she was home secretary, she was responsible for sending those go home vans around. Like she was a a real ball busting, immigrant hating home secretary. Hostile environment. That was her thing. Right. But I think outside of politics, I think she thinks she's actually quite a socially liberal character. It's just when she's pushed in with all this pressure from the donors and the whips. And, you know, that's when they're all forced to behave and speak and action the same policies in the same way. You know, once the machine kicked in with Theresa May and CCHQ and the donors and their expectations in response for cutting the checks to them, the secret meetings with Murdoch started, didn't they? The pressures of Brexit the pressures of tabloid editors came knocking. And then she sort of metamorphosised into this, you know, hard-nosed, no-deal Brexit type, didn't she? Crushed the saboteurs and all that. And it's been the same with Sunak, right? He started off Mr. Honesty and Integrity, a return to trust in politics. And yet once the machinations, the CCHQ, the donors, once it all started to kick in... Then where are we now? We're back to hooky deals with big oil, <laughs> lost WhatsApps. I don't recall question marks over emphasis shares and and what like try, trying to find ways to manipulate the election. <laughs> it's like the, the latest descent into the integrity bit. Um But yeah, anyway, back back to this, this interview this morning, right? Whew. Jeepers. <laughs> Like, I don't know what they do to private school kids to give them this unshakable self-confidence. You know, the entitlement, this self-belief that you should still be prime minister or you should still be cabinet minister or newspaper editor or whatever the job is that one of these private school people takes on. This idea that you should still be that even after all of the evidence is telling you that you suck at it, you know? What do they do to these kids at private school to deliver them that unshakable self-belief? Like, you would think that taking them away from their parents, right, and caning them over some fat, grey-haired fucker's Victorian desk night after night, you'd think that that would leave them feeling unloved and abandoned and worthless, wouldn't you? You would think it would weave in or sow the seeds of crushingly low self-esteem, perhaps, and they'd all just be recording self-satisfied satirical podcasts instead to chase approval that way. But no, it turns out but sending children to private school and denying them a frequent supply of parental love, care and protection actually generates pure, undiluted self-confidence. It's it's wild. <laughs> How does that become this? It's incredible. Because in this interview. This morning. But the outside broadcast guy, the journalist guy with the stick microphone, right? He's like, "So you know, it's a bad night for you lot, then, right?" Like, fairly open question. You know, that's an easy question for you to answer, Rishi. Forget the PMQs, forget the breakfast sofas, forget Coonsberg, forget Emily Maitlis, all of the people who might actually ask you a challenging question. This one's an easy one for you, Sunak. So you can you can knock this out the park, straight out the gate. It's a yes, just in case, if you want a little hint, just say yes. It was a bad night for you. This is not mastermind. You, you got this. I've got faith in you. The guy's like, so you, you lot had a bad night then, right? And this is what he says, right? I've got, I've got it down here, word for word. This is what he replies with. You lot have had a bad night then, haven't you? Right? And he says, uh, he says well, midterm by-elections are always difficult for incumbent governments. That's how he starts. Now bear in mind, this isn't just him speaking freely. They don't let prime ministers just speak freely. That's why he sounds so robotic. That's why Theresa May was the Maybot. That's why they hid Boris Johnson in a fridge, because he couldn't remember the lines that his publicists and PR guys and CCHQ people had just gone, just say this. Can you remember this bit? You, you can't remember. Okay, well, in that case, just, just hide over there until they go away. Um. So what I'm about to say, what he, sorry, what I've just said, he has said, is the line, right? He's been pre-briefed on this. To, this is the wise thing to say, to respond with, right? So the guy says, so bad night for you lot then. He says, well, midterm by-elections are always difficult for incumbent government. So, first off, right, we're not midterm <laughs> yeah. Like, how is this the line <laughs> that's come out of the PR guys and CC? Anyway, you know, we're, we're not midterm, guys. We are, we are, we're tickling the balls of a general election here. <laughs> that's how close we are to a general election. It could be as soon as 10 weeks from now. 10 weeks. If it's going to be a snap general election in May. So we're anyway, we're already into the rivers and rapids of his uh, of his bullshit here. Just just in the first sentence. But let's let's crack on. Let's see what else he's got. So he says uh, he says midterm by elections are always difficult for incumbent governments. And the circumstances of these by elections were, were particularly challenging. That's what he says. Word for word. Remember? The circumstances of these by-elections were particularly challenging. How do you mean, Rish? How do you mean? What was particularly challenging here? What were the challenges you were facing specifically that you were seeking to overcome? Was it it that the, the guy who resigned in Kingswood did so over your failing net zero commitments? thereby triggering this by-election for a seat that will shortly be wiped out by boundary changes anyway. <laughs> like, like it's so ridiculous. They've just had to fight this by-election for a seat that is about to be swept away by their own boundary changes, which they're implementing to try to skewer the result of the general election. Like, honestly, like when Sunak found out that this guy had resigned and that this was going to be a by-election, he must have been like, like, um... Like, why are we even spending war chest money fighting this by-election? <laughs> like, like, all that's going to happen is we're, we're going to win the seat. Like, we will retain the seat, but then it'll get erased three months later when the new election boundary changes come in in time for the GE. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, it'd be like, it'd be like winning a mansion in a poker game while it's burning down. <laughs> like, that's... It is the very definition of a hollow victory, had they even won it. So there's that. Um, And then what's the other circumstances with these by-elections? How else were these by-elections particularly challenging, in his words? Why were these by-elections... Particularly challenging and difficult circumstances. Was it that you're 20 points down (laughs) in the national polls and everyone hates you? Is that it? Is it those circumstances that were particularly challenging Rishi Sunak? Sunak's approval rating. I don't need to tell you guys. Sunak's approval rating is in the toilet. It's just that. It's not even in the toilet. It's like it's round the U-bent. It's gone round the U-bent, out to the sewer and out to Portsmouth Harbour. It's... Been funnelled out of that pipe, when plumes of sewage clouded around a very lost and decidedly grumpy now Nemo, <laughs> out in the sea, out in Portsmouth Harbour. Just imagine that—just a little lost orange Nemo, with just endless plumes of stringy sewage draped over his little fins, <laughs> and the and the onslaught of this is only ever just broken up by rishi sunak's approval rating which just comes fluttering out at the end of it that's and yes look okay i know that that metaphor went a little bit uh a little bit far his his approval rating is in the toilet is what i'm trying to say uh let's get back to the point um oh oh there's a point was there this time aid was there yeah okay fine but i mean yeah where, where was i we were talking about his. Oh yeah, right. So his particularly challenging, difficult set of circumstances, which are essentially, you know, that his polling is terrible, his approval rating is terrible. Uh, the fact that four out of five of his pledges are now also toast. Um, I mean, like to be fair to him, those circumstances, when you look at them, they are particularly challenging. Are they? Like he's not lying. He's being honest. Um. I mean, like anyone, anyone who's ever shown up to a party where, you know, you're not welcome (laughs) will attest that then running a popularity contest while you're there can yield some disappointing results (laughs) is all I'm saying. Um, You know, it's like uh, it's like the groom's mistress showing up to the wedding reception. And then the next day she shows up to the hotel breakfast, you know, and she's like, I mean, it was it was never gonna be a great night for me, you know? <laughs> anyway. He says, he goes on, he says, uh, if you if you look at the results, it was a very low turnout. That's what he says. And again, look, this is all word for word. I'm transcripting this from his interview this morning. He says, if you look at the results, it was a very low turnout. Which is interesting, I thought, because Uxbridge wasn't much higher. <laughs> and they only clung on to it barely, you know, by a hair's breadth. They clung on to Uxbridge. But if you cast your mind back to that by-election, back to Uxbridge, how did they and the sun and the male how did they all report on that, do you think? It was like, oh, oh it's a bomb victory for the Tories, isn't it? Who are standing up for motorists, rejecting Uless. It's an outright rejection of Keir Starmer's net zero zealotry. Bloody Marxist communists. This is, this is the people fighting back. That's how it was reported, wasn't it? <laughs> did anybody say anything about a low turnout then, did they? No. Okay, then. Right any anyone mention any uh, circumstances particularly challenging stuff any any of that taken into consideration with labor's performance in that by election i i don't recall that happening like the weights are so obviously shifted against labor with this sort of stuff isn't it? Like, it's not even funny. Like, you can just see it. You can sniff it. Like, even in this week's coverage of how the, uh, the recession was reported. Uh, like, if that had been a Labour government, man. Stewarding the economy into recession. There'd be no talk about, like, oh, it's a gentle start to a recession. Oh, it probably won't last long. It's not a real recession. Everyone would be losing their minds. Oh, you can't trust Labour. I've told you before, you can't trust Labour with the economy. That's all they would be saying. <laughs> You'd be reading that in every newspaper from left to right. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like, when Labour failed to get Uxbridge right, it was a seat that they were never predicted to take in the first place. Do you remember? Like it's been conservative for a while, I think. It's always been Tory, I think. Happy to be corrected. If somebody wants to drop that in the comments or whatever. But they got within a grasp of it. You know, they almost took it from them. The Tories just clung on to it. Barely. And yet the supposed loss of this by-election for Labour was like, oh, well, Keir Keir Starmer has questions to answer here. Obviously, his message is not getting through. What do Labour even stand for, right? That's how Uxbridge was reported. What does this say about Labour's waning popularity? Is this the start of Starmer fatigue? Your least favourite journalists would come out with. And here's the tragic thing. It's like Labour are so devoid of self-worth or entitlement, you know. like there's no misplaced self-confidence in the front bench of Labour, is there? Labour are so devoid of self-worth that when they read these headlines, they don't go, well, hang on a second, that, that, that's not quite right. What they do is they, they scuttle off back to Labour HQ, don't they? And they go, guys, guys, did you hear the Today programme? Apparently, we should have got it. We should have won Uxbridge. God, we better tell Sadiq to row back on the ULES stuff. Post-haste. R- Rishi says that we're all against motorists. Whatever shall we do now? You get half the shadow cabinet in some glass meeting room just across the promenade, whipping themselves stupid with those Catholic flagellation beads, you know, punishing themselves for it. Anyway, so what does he say next in our word for word transcript of Rishi Sunak the morning after losing two safe seats in a by-election? He says, well... The results show that we've got work to do to show people that we are delivering on their priorities. So you get a faint acknowledgement of reality there. You get a vague dip of the toe into reality. You know, it's sort of, it's alluding to, um, you know, it's like they're saying, well, we obviously have to get our message out there more. You know, that we're stopping the boats, that we're achieving growth. Um, Which, of course, in a way is correct. He does have to get that message out there. He does have a lot of work to do on that, on both of those. Mostly because he isn't achieving either. (laughs) You know, like... Well, it shows that we've got a lot of work to do to, to show people that we're delivering on their priorities. All right. OK. Which ones are, though? Stopping the votes and achieving growth. OK, so you've got work to do to convince people. Is that because you are failing at both of those? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, then he says, this is my favourite bit. <laughs> my favourite bit of all of it. And he says, the results show that there isn't a huge amount of enthusiasm for the alternative. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the results show. So in Sunak's mind, in Rishi Sunak's mind, you can win a constituency seat. You can win two of them, in fact, that were formerly safe seats for your, like, what's the word? competitor right you can win these safe seats off them but rather than that showing that people want these guys in power what it actually shows is that people aren't that bothered about you they they voted you in because they don't yeah they're not really that fussed about you. Like, like i wish i had his self-confidence i really do just imagine what you could achieve if you weren't held back by logic and a mostly well-founded belief that there are limits to your ability and popularity, and that it's possible that some people out there might tire of you. Imagine what you could achieve if you weren't tempered by logic and reality. God, what might be possible for me? (laughs) I could have like won a singing competition or so. I could have gone on X Factor and got a six album deal or something if I just got up there, filled in the application form, got on the stage and sung it, it's possible that might have happened. Although, if I do engage with reality and logic and realism, it probably was never going to happen. But but it might have if I wasn't tempered by self-doubt. Anyway, you know, what might be possible if you had that Winchester, Westminster... And Eton private school arrogance buggered into you (laughs) by the housemaster every detention. What might be possible for you? Like, is that how it starts, do you think, dear listeners? Is that how this sort of self-confidence and entitlement and booming self-worth is that how it actually starts to take root you know like someone like Rishi Sunak is just a, he's a regular kid hanging out with his mates you know he's cracking jokes with his friends and then he says something that's yeah, it's a bit untoward or maybe there's a bit colourful of language in there and the teacher overhears it and you know where he would have previously grown up as a regular teenager and then a regular 20 something or something right the punishment at these stuffy establishment schools is perhaps so abusive and severe that the, the housemaster has him back after school in detention, but it's like half punishment and half encouragement, you know? It's like you don't use language like that, soon. Like You don't. It's disrespectful, but God, this is good. God, you're so good, Rishi. Okay, look, that's, um, I got a little bit, um... <laughs> bit full on. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to spitball here a little bit. I'm just trying to find the reason why or how public school boys like Rishi Sunak banished from their parents might have somehow overcome the odds to end up with self-confidence. You know, it's, a, it's an ongoing line of inquiry, guys. It is. So anyway, where were we? Um, I mean, just just before we move, right? The thought remains. It, it's it's inhabiting my head day after day. I'm like, how is he so confident? You know that this means that people are enthusiastic about him and not about Labour. How do you get there? You know, <laughs> how is that the conclusion that he's drawn from results like this or the other by-elections bi- ele- before? It's like, oh, Labour win it. Yeah, I don't think it shows any enthusiasm for Labour. Then <laughs> right. Well, OK, then let's 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 sit down and talk about this, Rish, because I'm going to be I'm going to be straight up with you here. I'm I'm confused, son. <laughs> because, look, I, I don't know if there's any uh, Tories listening to this. Um, I mean, probably not. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. But if you are, if you do. Could somebody please explain to me, like if winning two safe seats is a sign of no enthusiasm for you, right? <laughs> then what the fuck does coming third mean? <laughs> what is that a sign of? How much enthusiasm does that indicate for you and your ilk? Um, you know, it's like it's like a bronze medalist looking up at the gold, right? <laughs> looking up at the gold medalist and going, ah, like, oh, don't don't take it to heart, son. Nah. Don't, don't it's fine, just come back next year try try a bit harder you you'll get the hang of it i got I got faith in you, you know what while, while the gold medalist looks down at the bronze like are you all right like are you are you mental or <laughs> so yeah, anyway, look that's um that's been a fun story, I think that's that's lifted the spirits, certainly um off the back of the you know recession. Depression talk and, you know, Labor's 28 billion green energy stuff and then the anti-Semitism. This has been a nice way to round off the week, I think. Um, But yeah, Rishi Sunak's interview, man. I mean, like I I was saying on Twitter this morning, right? I was saying like his whole vibe with that. You know, the journalists go like, oh, it's a a a bit of a bad night for you guys, isn't it? You know, and then his just outright delusion and persistent self-confidence baseless self-confidence is like you know sunak is like a rodent experiment is what I was saying <laughs> you know like where they grow an ear on the back of a mouse <laughs> whatever well he's like he's like a lab rat is what he is he's a lab rat that somebody grafted the self-confidence of a lion onto <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's that is his vibe today and indeed every day anyway elsewhere in the world. Let's move on from uh, from UK politics elsewhere in the world. And I know right now you're probably thinking, oh, God, here we go. going can talk about Trump again. Back over to the US. Is it OK? Great. Wicked. No, this time, Russia. Um, Ale- Alexei Navalny was a Russian politician, uh, he's sort of de facto leader of the opposition. Right. Over in Russia. And this is ahead of their general elections, which are uh, supposed to be taking place later this year. Uh, well, Alexei Navalny has died, apparently, according to reports today. And, uh, I mean, there's not much that's funny here, unfortunately, guys. I don't want to bum you out, but uh, but here was a guy who was, you know, very bravely going up against Vladimir Putin. When you think about what some of Vladimir Putin's adversaries have also, you know, how their ends have been met, for want of a better phrase, Um Incredibly brave to to go up against him, uh, but Putin had him arrested and detained without charge, and then without legal representation, and then he was shipped off to some far flung, underfunded jail where his lawyers couldn't reach him. Uh, and now, after all of that, even before their no doubt heavily controlled and manipulated uh, election begins, uh, Navalny has died in prison, aged forty seven. And, you know, we don't know the circumstances of his death just yet. I I don't know if we ever really will, because I can't imagine the Kremlin releasing that information. Um, But I don't think it's outrageous to suggest that Vladimir Putin probably had him killed. You know? Um, And it's weird because like for all the weird alt-right love that there is for Putin out there, now, not least from Tucker Carlson, by the way, which is just utterly fucking weird at the moment. Like I don't know how many of you follow Tucker Carlson uh, or are aware of his big interview with Putin uh, last week, but since then, and since Putin, like, has completely pied him off, and <laughs> disrespected him afterwards. Putin is on record talking about that interview where he's just like, I thought that interview would be harder. You know, he was a softball. He was a pussy. (laughs) And yes, I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but that's he's pined him off. Definitely. Even since then, Tucker is still posting videos like he's his hype man. (laughs) He's bigging him up from the sidelines, telling everyone how amazing Russia is. Like it's wild. Like his tweet the other day, he even said this is his words, his Twitter account. He said he's been radicalized by how much better Russians have it than Americans. With all the food in the supermarkets over there and the cleanliness of the streets and how friendly everyone is. Which is just tragic. It's like, you know, he does a thing, he pies him off. And Tucker's still there on the sidelines going, yeah, I still love you, though. (laughs) It's like, did you ever have a friend? We all had a friend like this. Do you ever have a friend when you were younger? Uh, Whose other half humiliated them and disrespected them constantly, you know? But week after week, they'd get back with them, you know? But they'd stand there in the pub with them, like a couple again. (laughs) And this guy would call his girl, he would call her a twat to her face in front of all of her friends, and she would just, you know, shrug him and suck him off again. Like, <laughs> like we've all had friends and situations like that, haven't we? Well, you, you pull your friend aside, and you're like, gosh, can you just try and respect yourself? Please! You know, do, do I have to pay 15 grand term fees to get you to even half value yourself? Do I? <laughs> um, well, that's Tucker Carlson right now, right? He's been totally outmaneuvered by Putin in this one-on-one interview where uh, Tucker asked him one question and then Putin took like 30 minutes to answer it. So Tucker wasn't like interrupting him or challenging him. He walked all over him. Um, and then since the interview, he's been completely you know, cut adrift and dismissed by Vladimir Putin. Uh, but here he is day after day on Twitter, ostensibly doing travel vlogs. You know, he's pivoted from political commentary to travel vlogging um, and telling us how much better Moscow is than Washington. That's his new vibe now. That's the new content that Tucker Carlson is putting out. Dismissed by Putin, but still picking him up. (laughs) Still in Russia, talking about how amazing Russia is. Like, what do they have on you, Tucker? What do they have on you? cos I don't know man like we've all we've all heard the story about Trump haven't we in the hookers right the tape the bedsheets the russian hookers pissing on the bed sheet. like we've all heard that right there was a, there was a report on it um, that's the idea by the way but behind like trump's unshakable support for putin that was the theory is that he was filmed with these hookers In a Russian hotel, uh, urinating on the bed. And then thereafter, somewhere along the line, somewhere before 2016, Putin was like, here is your script. (laughs) And here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to say, because here is the tape. You want this coming out? This is called Compromat, motherfucker. Um, And so now we've got similar support from Tucker Carlson for Russia. It's like, there's something there, isn't there? It's, it's weird, no? And equally as weird is, you know, for, for a lot of the American right, um, you know, I think I spoke a little bit about this on a solo show recently, or maybe it was a, a YouTube, you know, a little punk politics thing, or an alternative paper review, or something. I don't know, I remember talking about it. But it's weird how, like, for a lot of the American right, like, they're kind of buying into this pro-Russia narrative, aren't they? You know? but they like to think now at least they like to think of putin as a sort of strong man don't they as a sort of hard strong man leader who's just looking out for his country and they're like well putin putin ain't never done nothing to me putin never harmed me but the bidens have the bidens tried to steal the election the bidens are sending my tax money to zelensky that's like that's the narrative that's coming out i've seen tweets like this from seemingly legitimate accounts. I mean, look, I'm not a supremely expert technologist type guy, but I know a fake account when I see one. And these ones appear to be legit. And they're like, yeah, Putin's never done anything to me, but the Biden's hair. (laughs) And it's only when a story like this one today, about Navalny dying, possibly being murdered. It's only when a story like this comes up, that is really hammered home again, like how vicious, how dangerous Putin is and can be, you know? And it's a sort of story that needs to be marketed back to that same subset of the American right who sort of fantasize about how perfect it could be if they had an American version of Vladimir Putin, you know? Well, they all have this idea that you know, Putin is a strongman leader who, you know, actually maybe you should make a deal with, right? Like if, if Trump just made a deal with Putin, then a lot of the world's instability might go away. Because what's, what's the worst that could happen? You know, he probably won't invade anywhere else. I'm sure that won't happen if we totally remove the repercussions for him trying it the first time. I'm sure he won't learn the wrong lesson from that. You just do a deal with it. Send Trump in, they shake hands, it's all over. Like I honestly think they believe that that's how the world works, but yeah, it's important to remind people who have this sort of idealised version of Putin in their heads. You know that this is a guy who who blackmails, who steals, who has some crazy percentage of Gazprom profits rerouted and funneled to his personal accounts like it's insane i think i was talking to jules last week on the friday night show about how putin might very well be the richest guy in the world like it's absolutely nutty how much money he has in the bank through oil and gas sales he kidnaps he plots he steals he murders i mean you know we're probably not that far away now from people like tucker carlson weaving a narrative that the You know, the spy in a bag murder in Vauxhall, the Skripal's House, Litvinenko, like all of that stuff was actually orchestrated by GCHQ themselves. Like that's the sort of narrative that we're creeping up to soon. Like forget all of the evidence, forget the inquiries, the testimony, the investigations. Just weave that paranoia, that contrarianism out of Brexit and Trump land and in to the West's security services, you know? That's kind of where it feels like we're headed. If enough Tucker Carlsons continue with this propaganda. You're going to have conversations with people where they're going to be like, yeah, do you you remember the time that the spy, uh, the GCHQ guy, he was about to expose the Russian mole in GCHQ, and then they found him dead in a bag? And even an escapology artist expert guy, he couldn't get himself out of the bag in a similar situation. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. OK, yeah. And then do you remember how the ex-FSB, ex-KGB guy said that that was definitely a Russian hit? Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that as well. OK, so I don't know if you've seen Farage at Large on GB News and Tucker Carlson's TCN show on X... I don't know if you've read those two pieces by the columnists at the Telegraph or seen Trump's latest rally or Newsmax. But all of these guys together are all saying now that all of that stuff was orchestrated by MI5 <laughs> to make Putin look bad. And then you're going to get people go like, oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. No. Oh, I totally believe this. Yes. Yes, I do. It all fits together perfectly. Like a, like a horrible, dishonest, and disjointed jigsaw puzzle. It all fits together perfectly. Of course they would want to make Putin look bad. Of course they would. Before all that, he looked rosy. He was a cuddly kitten. <laughs> That's the problem with the West, isn't it? It's as soon as you have someone successful, someone with only good and pureness in their heart, the West just have to tear them down, don't they? And soil their reputation their good name. Well, I'm not playing that game. You know, I get my news directly from Tucker Carlson now. I refuse to play the mainstream media game. Putin was always and will always be a cute, cuddly little kitten. Like, it sounds, it sounds like I'm joking, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm exaggerating that that could be where we're headed. But honestly, you know, like five or ten years ago. Cast your mind back. What was that? 2012? OK? No. <laughs> Where are we now? 2024? So 2014, right? If I had asked you in 2014 like, do you ever think that the odds-on candidate for President of the United States of America will be up on a podium, you know, talking about how he's going to be a dictator <laughs> on day one? Do you think that's likely to happen? <laughs> What would you say? What would you have said in 2014? Would you ever have imagined that we are where we are now in the West, in geopolitics? If I had asked you in 2014, could you imagine that dictator figure up there? Could you imagine him then garnering the support of the rabid masses? And they would go off into Vox Pops and stuff afterwards to BBC News and Sky News and say stuff like, well, I'm I'm sorry to tell you, but maybe America does need a dictator. <laughs> like, just completely flushing the whole idea of the America project down the toilet. Along with Sunak's approval rating and all the Portsmouth, Harbour sewage. Would you ever have imagined that? I'm sorry to tell you, I'm sorry to have to say this, but... I- I think maybe the United States does need a dictator. (laughs) Would you ever have believed that that was where we were headed? If I'd asked you that 10 years ago? No, you would not. Because, you know, probably whenever you warned about it, whenever I warned about it, we were always being told that we were hysterical. Do you remember that? (laughs) Do you remember those blissful, naive and innocent days? You know, where you would first hear about Donald Trump's political aspirations and you'd be like, I don't know, man. I mean, he's hes a bit Hitlery, isn't he? You know, and then your friends would go like, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, you sound ridiculous, Aid. Well, he's a, you don't think he sounds a bit Hitlery? A little bit authoritarian? Oh, you sound, you sound hysterical. Do you know that? <laughs> Remember those days? Now you spool forward 10 years. Like, you could literally, you could turn on Fox News today, couldn't you? And he'd be preaching to a crowd with a mosh pit of Nazis in front of him, who then clear out in a circle, like it's going to be a fucking dance off or something. And then in the middle of the circle, they start the book burning. (laughs) Like, red banners unfurl either side of him with a swastika, you know? Like, you could switch on Fox News and see that right now. And honestly, would you have any other reaction other than. Yep. Uh, to, to be honest, I was sort of expecting this. It's, um, <laughs> You know, and those same people who told you that you were hysterical before—if you went back to them now and showed them the Fox News footage of the the banners and the book burning and the swastika and everything—I reckon they would turn around and look to you, and, and they would go like, yeah, "But they're not—they're not Nazis, though, Aid. <laughs> they're not." They're, how, how do you mean? Because they, they've got swastikas, book burnings. They're talking about deporting all of the immigrants. So like, how, how is that not? No, they're not. They're not Nazis. They're, they're, they're not German. Nazis are German aid. <laughs> and that, dear listeners, is, um, is when you realise that this whole time that you've been politically engaged... And you've been trying to persuade people or like win them over. You realize that this entire time what you've actually been doing is arguing with certifiable unmedicated morons. <laughs> that's, that's it for this one. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you are enjoying these shows and the alternative paper reviews that I put out most mornings, uh, do join my community. If you go to my profile, there's a little button there It says join. That's on YouTube. Um, So you can can join that or you can join Patreon. There's always a link to the Patreon in the description of every show. Um, Or if you're on YouTube right now and you're watching this and you've enjoyed it and maybe some other stuff that I've put out, uh, maybe click the three dots and you should be able to drop a little tip in the tip cup. No pressure. Because it is, you know, we officially are in recession now, as they've uh, as they've branded it. Um, so, you know, if you can't afford to, totally fine. It's a weird time for all of us, not least um, the Chancellor uh, of the Exchequer right now. Um, anyway, but for now, that's it. Uh, I'll be back next week with a guested show next Friday, a solo show next Tuesday or Wednesday. Until then, I'm out this motherfucker.